Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen wisely. Do you expect us to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to record a podcast. It's Mike and Mike go to the movies. My name is Mike Smith, and joining me, as always, is a man who asked that when I bring him out, can I introduce him as Decretio? Mike Decretio. <laughs> Good job. It was, um, it was an obvious joke, but I felt like I had to go for it. <laughs> you know, it was a little a little weak on the first one, on the, on the Goldfinger one, but you saved it, I think. You, you know, the Goldfinger one was weaker? I thought, the, uh, I thought that was the stronger of the two. <laughs> But Either right. way, I'm proud of you, Mike. All right. That's the important thing. I, I strive for your approval whenever we do these yeah. podcasts and these You're intros. Uh, how are you doing today, Mike? Oh, uh, doing OK. Survived uh, first week at the new job. I'm a very sleepy boy all the time now because I have to be awake. Uh, and that's bullshit, <laughs> I, I think. So. That's fair. You got used to uh, working from home for the last like seven months and it, uh, it's, yeah. it's warped your entire perspective, basically. There's pants other than sweatpants. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I was aware because I've still been working, but uh, but yeah, I get it, man. It's it's rough. It's a struggle. It is. Uh, also joining us this week, uh, someone we haven't seen in a while, though he holds the distinct honor of being the guest on the last episode of Bike and Mike before quarantine happened. Uh, That's right. And it was decided there would be no more movies in 2020. Uh, he was supposed to join us for No Time to Die back in April and then again this month. And he probably still will whenever it actually comes out, if it ever comes out. Uh, Nick Wormuth, welcome back to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. Glad to be back. It appears there is still more time to die. Uh, <laughs> hoping with this episode we can finally put the pigs discourse behind us and move forward as pigs? a family. Pigs? Uh, uh, I don't know I if you're. I don't know. You're, you're not like a as regular a listener to the podcast anymore, Nick, because you uh, haven't like you know, haven't had to commute as much. Uh, and you, so you're not listening to stuff, but I did watch pigs, uh, at, at a certain point, uh, after you guys talked about it. Okay. And which side of the pig spectrum do you fall on? I think I'm squarely in the middle okay. <laughs> of pigs. Right. Uh, yeah, it is. It, that, that was a movie that, uh, so me and Mike launched a new segment on the show where every, every like month or so we do a segment called Mike makes Mike watch. Uh, where we each pick a movie for the other one to watch. And of course, Mike Decretio made me watch pigs and uh, brands hashtag branding. Yeah, exactly. And that, that felt like the end of like the pigs arc on this podcast, <laughs> but for well, some I'm, reason it keeps getting brought back up. <laughs> I'm happy you guys are still friends after that, but <laughs> we'll see how it goes from here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh that was the big thing. Last time you were on the podcast, uh, of course we were reviewing the invisible man, but uh, back then we did discussions and uh, you had watched pigs because Mike had talked about it on the podcast like a week earlier. And I'm sorry that you had to do that. But now I get it. I understand. I, I, have actually, I have not gone back and listened to those conversations yet, but I feel like I should just to like fully get them now. You know, I don't know. I'd rather just be behind us. Uh, you should <laughs> both be happy that I even came back. But uh, the I've, heard, I've heard we're James talking Bond. about Bond. Yeah. The yes. allure of James Bond really brought you back. Actually, you. Went all out for this one, apparently, because you got the, uh, the you can't see this because this is an audio medium. But, Nick, you've got the uh, the James Bond uh, gunshot background going on right now for your Skype call. Yep. I uh, always commit to the visual bit on an audio medium. So uh, just for you guys to appreciate <laughs> listeners, if you need any pictures, yep. uh, just let me know. Yes. On past oh, episodes oh. of the podcast, uh, Nick has rushed to his Blu-ray collection and pulled out his copy of Batman vs Superman to show us right. that he has it, even though. <laughs> 
Nobody else could see that he has it. He could have just I said will he not has be called it. a liar. No, of course not. Uh, so, yeah. How you been, Nick, since everything went down again? We haven't talked to you since February uh, with the Invisible Man. And that was right before quarantine. And I think we even talked about some of the covid stuff on that episode, because I think at that time, No Time to Die had just been delayed or no, A Quiet Place Part Two had just been delayed or something like that. Right. There was like one major movie delay we were talking about that happened so quickly. And we were just like, what the fuck's happening? And, <laughs> and that was basically it. So how you been for uh, the last you know million years since we've talked to you? <laughs> well, I'm sure like everyone else, I've been watching a lot of movies. I uh, thankfully was able to work from home. I was able to schedule my day around getting everything done in a two hour block. So I had six extra hours to watch things. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> Join the Turner Classic Movies Wine Club uh, as <laughs> any person who invests their money wisely will do. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. That's allowed me to see a lot of whole new artful movies I would have never experienced and also shut things off within the first 10 minutes and just drink a bottle of wine while watching <laughs> something else. So I don't know. Yeah. It's My kidneys probably hurting. My liver is uh, could be doing better, but I'm I'm expanding my palate, and at least in that sense, I can say that I'm I have taste in some sense. Yes, I like I like the idea of you enjoying like a fine Coppola wine or something while watching like I don't know Bad Boys for Life or whatever like recently <laughs> recently came out. <laughs> I believe I turned off the 1920s uh, Three Musketeers and turned on Sinister because I was not going to watch a two and a half hour silent movie. So. That shows how much I care about film history. <laughs> well, my my uh, actually, I still have my Netflix disc plan, and right now I have the the 1924 two and a half hour John Ford silent movie, The Iron Horse, that's been sitting there for like three months, uh, and I do plan to watch it, but like when you know it's <laughs> that's the problem is like I I want to watch this, but also I never have the time. I'm not going to have the time to watch a two and a half hour silent movie, and when I do, I'm going to probably choose something that's not the two and a half hour silent movie. Uh, it's a struggle. It really is. Uh, you monster. Yeah. So it sounds like you've been doing okay <laughs> since uh, since quarantine started, Nick. I mean, all things considered, right? Yeah. Biggest hobby was not interrupted, and that was watching movies in my living room way past the time that I should be asleep. So uh, <laughs> nothing has put a damper on that, and I continue thriving. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so, so the reason we're having you on today is to talk about James Bond movies. Uh, and the reason we have you on is because we were, you were supposed to review No Time to Die with us, and then that was delayed, and then it was delayed again. And now it's uh, supposedly being released in April 2021. Do you think it'll hold to that release date? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> the way I see everyone handling things in the first place. Uh, today I had to go out and buy a microphone. And the person behind me at Best Buy just said, I can't wait to get this fucking mask off my face. Can we hurry up the line? So uh, I get the feeling people are going to continue not listening and uh, I'm going to keep spending more time in my house drinking wine by myself. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we'll see what happens with with Bond. Uh, I I was actually surprised that it got pushed, not because of like people, you know, not following COVID rules, obviously, but it seemed like it could have gotten a European release like everywhere outside of the U.S. could have gotten James Bond and we would be punished for not for not following COVID rules by not getting a James Bond movie. Or at least like in the U.S. it would be on video on demand or something and then everywhere else it would be in theaters. But yeah, I guess so like so much money is wrapped up in it and all that stuff. But now now they're talking about doing like a Wonder Woman 1984 HBO Max premiere and all this stuff. So it seems like it's actually moving towards that direction. We'll see what happens. But Hopefully, we'll get to review No Time to Die at some point. That's the goal. Fingers crossed. If the world still exists by the time No Time to Die comes out, the final Daniel Craig James Bond movie, uh, we'll get to review it on this podcast. And I'll be there. Yes. Assuming I'm still alive, too. Yeah. So, (laughs) So because No Time to Die was supposed to come out this month, 
Uh, and also because uh, Sean Connery just passed away, who is, of course, the original James Bond. Uh, me and Mike kind of both decided, you know what? It's kind of time to do a let's rank of the James Bond movies. We've been talking about it for a while, and this just seemed like the opportune time to do it. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to be ranking our top five favorite James Bond movies. Nick, I know you wanted to do a full series ranking, uh, <laughs> which on the one hand, like I appreciate the, uh, the audacity behind that, but I also can't even comprehend what that podcast would be like, what we ha- what our state would be at the end of it. <laughs> uh, I assume long and tired as uh, some of the Roger Moore movies did end up being in the first place. So yeah. uh, it would be on track with the brand in the first place. So. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and also me and Mike haven't seen every James Bond movie. I think we talked about this in the last episode. Uh, we both like James Bond. We have a history of liking certain movies in the James Bond franchise. But I think our Bond knowledge is uh, is not as good as yours is. Nick, I mean, have you seen all the James Bonds or because because we, we built you up as like the James Bond expert uh, when yeah. really it was just like, oh, Nick's going to join us for the No Time to Die episode. He must be our James Bond expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily for you, I have seen all the movies at least three or four times each. I own all the Blu-rays. I've been just obsessively going over them for years and years. So uh, I can't say I have anything smart or intelligent to say about them, but at least I've seen them all. So, okay. Uh, all right. And I feel like I gave you guys enough warning to watch them all too, but uh, yeah, I uh, mean, realistically, since no time I was delayed, we had plenty of time to watch all the James Bond movies <laughs> by the time we got to this episode. But uh, of course, we did not. I did do a little bit of preparation before this podcast. I watched two James Bond movies that I had never seen before, uh, and one of them actually made my top five. So uh, I'll talk okay. about that when we get to it. Uh, so before we get into our, uh, our rankings, I uh, just wanted to let everybody know all the theme songs you're going to hear this episode were created by Kyle Cullen, uh, who you can reach for your own podcast themes at Kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com. Uh, our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. And if you ever want to contact us or something we did in the show, uh, you can email us over at Mike might go to the movies at gmail.com. And now let's rank. It's time to do some Let's Rank this week, covering the James Bond movies, each of us giving our top five instead of covering the entire franchise, because that's an insane person thing to do. Maybe (laughs) maybe when No Time to Die comes out, we'll do like a part two to this episode or something. We can cover like the next five or something. But (laughs) through six through ten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, But Nick, since you are the guest, uh, you go first. What is your number five James Bond movie of all time? Uh, My number five is one that was extremely unpopular when it came out, uh, but I think has uh, become more recently revered and that is 1969's on her majesty's secret service Sir Hilary Bragg. Oh, no 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 mr bond respectable baronets from the college of heralds do not seduce female patients in clinics on the other hand they do get their professional details right the blochamp tombs are not in the augsburg cathedral as you said but in the saint anna kirsch sir hillary bray would have known a small slip takes more than a few props to turn 007 into a herald. It'll take more than cutting off your earlobes, Blofeld, to turn you into a count. I may yet surprise you, but I'm afraid that you have no surprises left for me. I know all about your mission, Mr. Barnes. Your colleague, such a keen climber, such a brilliant conversationalist, before he left us. You realize you're a port of where I am. I doubt that. In any case, no one's going to come to your rescue. In a few hours, United Nations will receive my Yuletide greetings. 
The information that I now possess the scientific means to control or to destroy the economy of the whole world. People will have more important things to think about than you. They believe your threat. <laughs> oh, they will. In any case, I have prepared a demonstration. So that one was the first one without Connery. Uh, helmed by a man who was not necessarily an actor and more of a mm-hmm. model. Uh, I think he was the Marlboro Man beforehand, too, and basically lied his way through every audition process. Wait, but, L- Lazenby um, was the Mar- Marlboro Man? I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's he was wild. at least a male model. Okay. So, um, but, yeah, just I don't know what it is about that movie. When I first watched it, I didn't like it. It's a bit much skiing, um, which... <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess pick your poison there, but uh, just the way it's edited, the way everything looks, it's it was done by the man who edited the previous James Bond movies because of his like quick action details and stuff like that. And just the way Lazenby throws a punch, it's a lot more convincing than Sean Connery, who especially in the last few was just extraordinarily phoning it in. Um, <laughs> even though he's not an actor, I feel like the sort of romance subplot wouldn't work with Connery, and I'm not sure how spoiler heavy we're going with this uh I, I go, out for, go full spoilers no one cares. okay <laughs> movie's been out for 51 years yeah. when diana riggs character gets shot in the head at the end of the movie i feel like it'd be quite difficult to believe that sean connery cared about anyone in that moment <laughs> and george lazenby's soft touch when it comes to acting really works out there it's a sort of a nonsensical plot line about foot and mouth disease and things like that so it, but with most of these movies you can kind of skim past it but i love telly savalas as blowfield again diana rigg who also just recently passed away is amazing in that movie and aside from all the skiing and the random songs about snowmen and ray charles <laughs> songs in it it's a very very compelling entry in the series and it knocked out my original number five before i started rewatching all these movies for this podcast okay which was dr no so that would be my only honorable mention at least so far okay so that's a, on her Majesty's secret service which is one of the ones that i have not seen and it's one that i have wanted to watch for a long time especially because it is the only Laz- george lazenby one that they only one that he starred in. Uh, so it is like this weird anomaly in the Bond series. And then Connery comes back after that movie, which is also weird that he like left the role. Lazenby took over and then Connery's like, nope, I want to come back for this. And then, <laughs> and then he yes. did Diamonds Are Forever. Uh-huh. And then, you know, Roger Moore took over from there. But yeah, with, with Honor, I actually almost watched that movie today before recording this podcast. Uh, but I misjudged how how long that movie is. Uh, because I, you know, had a certain amount of time to fill, uh, before I jumped on the computer here. Uh, and that movie is about two and a half hours long. I had about two hours, uh, to watch a movie. Uh, so unfortunately I could not watch that. I did end up watching a different Bond movie instead, but that, that is one that I've heard. Like, again, like you said, didn't really, uh, get a ton of acclaim when it came out. People didn't like it, especially because it was the first one without Sean Connery, but I've seen people consider it the best Bond movie in recent years. Yeah. I would never go that far, but at least just it sheer just action packedness it just trumps everything basically until the craig era at least in my opinion okay um and lazenby was only really not offered the job back because i think he saw easy rider grew a beard and pissed off saltzman and broccoli and they were like get out of here we'll get someone else (laughs) we can't have a hippie bond we need a bond beats up hippies Yeah, I don't think Lazenby realized that at that point. You can't just be counterculture after being James Bond. So uh, he's had almost a non-existent career since then. Yeah, it wasn't. There's like one line that Sean Connery has in one of the Bond movies where he's like, I only listen to the Beatles with earmuffs on or something like that. Oh, yes. (laughs) 
Jesus. the coolest thing you could say in the mid 60s. Right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's such a weird thing because Bond is like sort of the epitome of cool, but he's also the squarest guy of all time. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a weird dichotomy that these movies often walk. But uh, all right. So that's your number five on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Mike, have you ever seen that one? No, that's that's one of the ones I haven't gotten around to. And I think partially because of, at the at the time, you know, in high school, I was very into Bond, uh, like watching a lot of movies and we have a couple of the box sets. And, you know, I think 15, 20 years ago or so, like, you know, th- it was still kind of like it's that oh, the one with the guy that was only in one of them and like who right. cares. And I feel like in, in the last you know decade or so or, or at least, you know, f- since film Twitter exists, uh, <laughs> it, it kind of got this <laughs> cult, uh, critical like reappraisal. And, you know, now now I'm interested, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, I've also heard it's the one that like a lot of the Craig movies like lift from, too. I mean, the uh, the mm-hmm. death at the end of the movie. Uh, not a magic secret service is sort of echoed at the end of Casino Royale in that movie. And I've heard that like no time to die is also taking a lot of cues from on her majesty's secret service. So uh, hey, we'll see what happens. Uh, one yeah. one day, I hope to see that movie. But all right, Mike, what is your uh, number five James Bond movie of all time? Uh, well, well, first, one day you'll have two and a half hours. Instead of watching the John Ford silent movie, you'll watch uh, on a <laughs> <laughs> registry secret service. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, my, my picks, uh, just to preface, are going to be like basic bitch uh, picks. <laughs> um, so with that, number five, uh, this is one that. I feel like is kind of forgotten about, not maybe forgotten about, but doesn't really get a whole lot of appraise or for the one that precedes it. Uh, but this is uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, the second Pierce Brosnan movie. Okay. It's very embarrassing. It seems there's a red box in your car. They can't get to it. They want me to make you unlock the car. I feel like an idiot. I don't know what to say. I am to torture you if you don't do it. You have a doctorate in that, too? <laughs> no, no, no. This is more like a hobby. But I'm very gifted. Oh, I believe you. My cell phone opens the No, 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 I... Mr. Bond. I-, I do it, yeah? Recall three send. Wait, I'm just a professional doing a job. Me too. Yes, and uh, this is one I wasn't like 100%. I was like, I remember watching this one a lot and enjoying it. And, you know, it was like kind of on the rotation with me and my dad. Like we would watch this movie a lot or like this kind of, you know, the newer Bond movies when I was a little kid. And then I was thinking about it today. I was like, wait a second. This is like the Hong Kong action movie, James Bond. Michelle Yeoh is the like sidekick that he gets uh, literally handcuffed to for like the second act of the movie. Right. Jonathan Bryce is this like insane, like media mogul guy and uh like that's the villain. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like not, I mean, it's not really great. I don't think, but I have a lot of fun with this movie and have like fond nostalgia for it. So number five, Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay, yeah, I, uh, I I've seen Tomorrow Never Dies once, uh, which uh, which I think was in college when I was in college. Uh, we went through me and my roommates went through like a big James Bond kick for whatever reason, and that's where I actually mm-hmm. ended up seeing a lot of the Bond movies. I had seen up to that point mostly the Craig movies and like a couple of Conneries, and that was it. Uh, and so in college, I think I watched like about half of the Bond movies. Uh, some of them were, re- were rewatches, but others I was seeing for the first time. And uh, all of them, all the Pierce Brosnan movies were covered in that one, basically. Like right. I, I saw pretty much all of them except for Goldeneye, uh, which I'd seen when I was a kid. All like all the other Brosnan movies were in there. And it was mm-hmm. amazing watching those and seeing how like 
gradually worse they get over time. Yeah. <laughs> over time. Uh, but yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies. I do remember having a lot of fun with that one. And like you said, Michelle Yeoh uh, is a lot of fun in that movie. It's 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 basically just Goldeneye again. You know, it's yeah. it's very much a similar thing with Goldeneye. And what I like about those movies is that they have like that big 90s bombastic action set piece type thing, which uh, is a very specifically I feel like it's such a hard way to describe the action that in the 90s. But when you see like a 90s action scene, you know what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a whole set piece where like they jump off the roof of the building and like peel down this giant banner and all this weird shit. Right. Uh, and it, I mean, it's just it's fun. Whatever. You know, there, there's a big car chase, <laughs> motorcycle chase where they're handcuffed together, going through the alleyways and all this stuff through Hong Kong. I'm like, who doesn't want that? You know? Yeah. It's fun. Whatever is Mike Tricio's official review for his number five James Bond movie. (laughs) I mean, is there really more to say about, Oh, is there more you need in a James Bond movie than, ah, this is fun. Yeah, I I get that. That's, that's totally a valid (laughs) point. I think Nick, what's your take on uh, tomorrow never dies. Uh, tomorrow never dies, uh, is I believe my second least favorite of all the Bond movies. Uh, so I'm very excited to hear the rest of your guys' list. Um, personally, I just, the movie starts with him stopping world war three and stopping a nuke from going off. And then goes into him preventing, uh, Jonathan price from getting exclusive broadcasting rights in China, which is a huge step down when it comes to stakes. (laughs) So personally, I think maybe without the benefit of nostalgia, that one doesn't sit with me as well. But when it comes to the 90s styling action, that one is, it screams just that sort of crime stuff with the helicopters chasing people through an alley and motorcycles and just nonsense. But as you said, it's fun. It's uh, it's good. (laughs) It's good enough. Yeah, so that's uh, Mike's number five, Tomorrow Never Dies. And my number five is also from the Pierce Brosnan era, and it's uh, the original Brosnan movie, Goldeneye, directed by Martin Campbell, who also went on to direct Casino Royale. Uh, and mostly didn't make any other good movies except for The Mask of Zorro, which fucking rules. Uh, but Fair. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll take it back because uh, you made me watch Vertical Limit this uh, this summer, which That's I also right. directed. <laughs> and uh, Vertical Limit is a surprising amount of fun. But Goldeneye, 1995, uh, the movie that like reinvigorated the Bond franchise in a big way. You know, it's it's such a weird thing because obviously you had Roger Moore doing it for so long. Like he was Bond forever. It seemed like <laughs> I think like he and Daniel Craig have been Bond about the same amount of time. I think with, like over the course of like 15 years or something like that. But Roger Moore made like 80 movies and <laughs> and Daniel Craig has made like five. And so after Roger Moore finally retired, they took on Timothy Dalton and Timothy Dalton brought it in this like dark brooding sort of gritty era of Bond that would be replicated with Daniel Craig. But it just didn't feel like audiences weren't ready for that in the late 80s. So Dalton made two movies and he was out. And then it took six years between Timothy Dalton leaving James Bond and then Pierce Brosnan getting hired to do Goldeneye. Uh, and it was just sort of a complete reinvention of the series. Uh, still, you know, standalone, crazy Bond adventures, uh, but updated for the 90s. And, you know, it has all these fun turns. And Sean Bean is the villain, and he's great in the movie, too. And it is Pierce Brosnan's first time out. And I think Brosnan, like I said, his movies get gradually worse over time. But he was always a very good Bond in all of them. You know, he had that, like, dashingness, uh, but also the suaveness and the humor and all that stuff that uh, you need in James Bond. Uh, but he had a very like 90s blockbuster personality, too, which perfectly fits, especially for Goldeneye, which is just, I think, a perfectly crafted 90s pop culture piece of entertainment. 
And then, of course, it spawned like a million different things. One of the best video games of all time and all that stuff. I don't, know if, Golden, right. I don't know if GoldenEye is one of the best video games of all time, but it was a game that I played a lot. So, <laughs> so it counts. Uh, so, yeah, GoldenEye is, uh, is my number five. Nick, what's your uh, what's your take on GoldenEye? I, that one is uh, highest esteem when it comes to Brosnan. I feel like he tries to have it both ways too many times where he wants the campiness of Roger Moore, but yeah. he still wants the self-seriousness. But that's the one where it at least feels like he's trying so hard. He's just, I think everyone's best movie is usually their first, which is why I picked Lazenby because you have to try one. so much harder to prove <laughs> it. It's one and done. Um, also, I think Brosnan had been delayed because he was supposed to do it and then Remington Steel got renewed yeah. everyone's favorite TV series <laughs> who could forget <laughs> uh, and then he just had to kind of sit in the sidelines for years while they figured that out but, yeah yeah. What's, what's, I, yeah what's also weird about Brosnan is that I think he's the only guy I mean, maybe like you know Connery and Roger Moore they had done stuff before they were Bond but like they generally cast people that aren't well known for a ton of other things when they cast James Bond but Pierce Brosnan had already had Remington Steel he was a, a known TV actor and then he kind of made the jump with James Bond just because people saw Remington Steel and the people were like, this guy be a really good James Bond. We, we, <laughs> like, we can see it. Turns out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then when Daniel Craig, even like when Daniel Craig was cast, like I remember everybody acting as if nobody ever had heard of who he was. And then you look at Dan Craig's career and he was in like Tomb Raider 2 and he had like layer cake and stuff like that. Like he was in movies, but like James Bond set him on a whole different career path and like catapulted him into household name territory. Which was a good thing and a bad thing because it was, you know, good for Dan Craig. I'm sure he made a lot of money and stuff, but also he was like miserable making these movies. Uh, (laughs) And like he also didn't make other movies for a long time. He like just made I think between Quantum of Solace and Skyfall, which is like a four year gap. I don't think he has any movies in between there (laughs) other than Bond movies uh, or something like that. Or, you know what? There was there was a girl with a dragon tattoo. Uh, right. there's, there's and Cowboys and Aliens. Oh, Mike. of course, of course, Cowboys and Aliens. I think I'm thinking of the gap between uh, Skyfall and Spectre, actually, which is a three year gap. Yeah, you know, perfect amount of time for him to make something. And I think the only other thing he makes is a cameo in Force Awakens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm excited now that we're seeing Daniel Craig like just kind of branch out, do kind of crazy weird stuff, and Logan Lucky and Knives Out. He's really hammering home the Southern accent uh, <laughs> in a lot of his movies. Uh, but I'm loving that. I'm loving that he's like having fun making movies again, and uh, it does feel like like all the trailers all the stuff leading up to no time to die seems encouraging and you know i think he wants to go out on a high note after people didn't really like specter that much so we'll see what happens but uh but anyway the point is goldeneye good movie number five <laughs> i forgot what movie we were talking about <laughs> uh so to recap our number fives nick's was on her majesty's secret service mike's was tomorrow never dies and mine was goldeneye uh nick what do you got for your number four james bond movie of all time uh so my number four is one that a lot of people consider the very best and that is goldfinger gold finger that's how it goes yeah. uh, <laughs> but this is just it's the one where the formula got set where he gets his car he gets more catchphrases it starts off with probably the best cold open of him with like a fake seagull on the top of his head and then he opens up a wetsuit and he's wearing that yeah. white tuxedo and it's just incredible and just the the again the action because still edited by Peter Hunt some of the romance stuff again back to what doesn't work with Connery he just physically abuses pussy galore and yeah. at least in that movie they try to make it seem romantic and if you ever read the book Ian Fleming hates gay people and that is so very clear when it comes to pussy galore <laughs> and I am still appreciative that the movie never went as far as it does in the book but okay. uh I don't know. Again, it's just, it set up all the conventions. It set up all, everything that would be the template of every James Bond movie for the next 50 years. Yeah. He does say that very cool line of, it's like listening to Beatles without earmuffs, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, 
we can forgive that for things like Goldfinger and just the the general everything that you come to know as Bond was originated in Goldfinger. Yeah. So that's my number four. Yeah, this was the uh, the very first Sean Connery movie, the Sean Connery Bond movie. Uh, that I had ever seen because my first Connery movie is probably Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, but yeah. it's definitely my first Connery Bond movie and uh, one that I was very, very into when I was younger. Uh, it's an honorable mention for me, like it's high up there and it sets up the uh, it's it does like kind of just set the template for every Bond movie going forward and it has all the iconic stuff in it. But I think Craig or Connery made one better movie, which may pop up in my top five. Who's to say? Uh, so yeah, so that's a uh, Goldfinger is a uh, Nick's number four. Mike, would you have thoughts on Goldfinger? Or are you going to hold off on those? in case they pop up in your top five. Uh, I guess we could hold off just in case. But uh, I think this is the one, is this the, if I'm trying to remember correctly now, where like he's, Connery is kissing someone and he sees the reflection of the guy behind him in her eye, right? And just shoves, shoves her right in front of the bullet. Yeah. 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 Love it. Love. Okay. Yeah. finger. Good times. Um, <laughs> stay tuned, I guess. Yes. Uh, What's your number four, Mike? My number four, uh, and I just like to reiterate, I said basic bitch list. So uh, my number four is 2006's Casino Royale. All right. Yes. Uh, the, the first Craig movie. And I think I think uh, Nick brings up a good point that like the, the kind of like intro for all of these guys is usually if not their best like their strongest attempt maybe i don't know how you want to phrase that but yeah i mean this was a very exciting time to be like into james bond even though it's like sort of like a reboot remake thing i don't know like the way this was kind of handled at the time when it was coming out was strange he's not 007 yet at the beginning right i don't think it's been a while since i've seen i think he earns 007 by the end of the movie i'm pretty sure right Right. Yes. He has one last hit in the beginning and then it's it. I believe the Chris Cornell song ends and it says yeah. license to kill. And then the movie starts. Yeah. Which yeah. by the way, that Chris Cornell so, song fucking slapped. So yeah, oh, it yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the bad Smickelson, right. Is the villain with the poker game, which yeah. is cool. Like an introduction, you know, maybe at the time, like culturally in, in America, at least. I don't know if he was particularly well known yet. No, or he at least not, he not definitely wasn't like he was known for that. Like Casino Royale, basically. And then I think a couple of years later, he was in the Nicholas Winding Refn movie, uh, Valhalla Rising, uh, yeah. which not like uh, not like a ton of American audiences saw that. But it was like a, <laughs> a critically acclaimed, <laughs> you know, thing that he was in. And then, you know, years later, he was in Hannibal and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, Casino Royale was really like his first introduction to American audiences. Yeah. And that's really cool. And it's got the awesome like parkour chase uh, in the beginning with the big, you know, the bomb chasing the bomber and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just a a, a interesting like, you know, the, the dark grittiness stuff that kind of got brought into like, I mean, of course, it's 2006, like, you know, Dark Knights around the corner um, and things like that. So, of course, we're getting like the gritty reboot uh, of yeah. James Bond. But it's still Daniel Craig is just the suavest motherfucker ever. And uh, love, love Casino Royale. Yeah, I mean, it really was like it was Batman Begins in 2005 and then Casino Royale in 2006. And then from there, it was like, oh, man, gritty reboots are the way to go. Everybody fucking loves these movies. They're so yeah. good. Uh, and and then it turned out that, that it was definitely not the way to go. People did not. <laughs> people didn't love them because they were gritty reboots. They loved them because they were really good movies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I am a huge, huge Casino Royale fan. And uh, especially with Daniel Craig, I think he is my favorite Bond uh, just in general. I think he is awesome in the role. And I may talk about Casino Royale later. Uh, Nick, do you yes. have any thoughts on Casino Royale? Or do you want to save those for later? I will also be saving my thoughts for later. <laughs> okay. Uh, so. I, I would. Uh, I would also be remiss to not to not mention uh, Eva Green is incredible. Uh, oh in yeah, Casino Royale too. But I'm sure we'll talk more. Uh, yes, coming up. Yeah, I think this might have been the first major thing she was into, uh, or at least in America or whatever, like for American audiences. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, like Eva Green is somebody who has electric every time she's in a movie, and I love her every time she's in something. 
she's not in enough things. And whenever she's in things, they're usually not great things. Right. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. like it's usually like the sequel to Sin City that came out 10 years later or something. You know, like yeah. that's the kind of movie that she typically appears in. I think recently she was in Dumbo, the uh, the Tim Burton movie. And like, you know, it's fine. I'm, I'm not the biggest <laughs> modern day Tim Burton fan, but she's fun in it. Uh, I just wish Avery Green was in more awesome stuff. I know she's on Penny Dreadful, the TV show, yeah. which was supposed to be good. Never watched it. But uh, but there you go. Uh, speaking of Daniel Craig, James Bond movies, uh, my number four is Skyfall from 2012, directed by Sam Mendes, shot by Roger Deakins. And I have to mention that it was shot by Roger Deakins because this movie is the most beautiful looking James Bond movie. Uh, ever Correct. made it's awesome and uh sam mendez this was kind of his comeback as a director too because he had made what uh he'd he done american beauty and road to perdition and stuff but then you know a few years down the line he had made like revolutionary road which was this oscar bait movie that nobody liked and then <laughs> he made like away we go which was like a john krasinski maya rudolph romantic drama oh, thing. yeah uh which you know I, I think i never saw i heard it was okay but like it's just you know he made those movies and then he f- signed on to skyfall and uh you know this was kind of a big deal too because it was the the 50th anniversary james bond movie uh, I remember right. that was like a lot of the hype leading up to it. Like there was talk about, you got to make it for 2012. It's got to come out. So it coincides with the 50th anniversary and all that stuff. It had the big Adele song, which won the Oscar for best original song. There was so much hype around Skyfall and it's delivered. It is a really terrific action blockbuster, which, uh, you know, weirdly takes a lot of cues from Christopher Nolan with uh, the Batman movies. Uh, it mm-hmm. feels very much like, if Nolan directed a James Bond movie, which is also what I said about Tenet this year, actually uh, <laughs> like Tenet, Tenet is like, cause that's always been the rumor. Like, Oh, maybe Christopher Nolan will direct the next James Bond movie. Cause he's always talked about it, but it just never seemed like it would happen because they're they, the producers, the broccolis and everybody else. Like they, they have so much control over the franchise and Christopher Nolan is just never going to want, <laughs> never going to mm-hmm. want to, you know, deal with that. But, uh, but Skyfall feels the closest to what you get. Like as soon as the dark Knight comes out, Skyfall comes around and it's like, okay, yeah, that's the James Bond version of this. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, Daniel Craig being great again. Uh, Javier Bardem is a great villain in the movie. Uh, it introduces Ben Weishaw as Q, who is a delight. Uh, Naomi right. Harris as Moneypenny. I mean, you get uh, Ray Fiennes in there. Uh, and I mean, one of my favorite threads with the new Craig movies is that they kept Judy Dench as M throughout uh, into these movies, which was perfect. And I love that. And I think the way they uh, write her character out uh, does work really well within the context of the movie. Uh, it's really good. Skyfall. It's uh, one of the best review James Bond movies, one of the best looking ones. Uh, and one of the best directed, most dynamic ones, which is not like a super high bar to clear because most of the like, especially earlier James Bond movies were like journeyman directors who would do a lot of them. Like there would be like Terrence Young, John Glenn, Guy Hamilton, like people who would do like four or five, six James Bond movies. And they all kind of looked the same. They all kind of felt the same. Uh, and Sam Mendes and a couple of other like select directors really kind of brought their own touch to it. But uh, I think it's really felt the most in Skyfall, which is my number four. Nice. Stay tuned, I guess. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I will ditto that statement. All right. (laughs) Fair enough. So, uh, Nick, what you got for your number three choice? Uh, It is one that we are familiar with since we just talked about it a moment ago, and that is Casino Royale. All right. Um, This one is, I was introduced actually to the short story before I even saw the movie. Uh, So I was very curious how they were even going to make it, because I think the book itself was only like 60 pages or something like that, with a whole chunk in the middle just dedicated to explaining how Baccarat is played, which (laughs) uh, props to the movie for number one, changing it to Texas Hold'em for some reason, and also making a hour and a half long card game be extremely interesting. But yeah, just back to what we were saying before, it's just, it's, it's the 
reboot that they needed, especially after Die Another Day, which is just, again, they're trying to do campy. They're trying to do serious. There's it. It just looks ridiculous. It feels ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, Craig was a, a perfect pick in my mind. Uh, having only seen him in Munich before that, this was just a breath of fresh air to the series. Um, also, just side note about that parkour guy. He was actually the man who invented parkour, Amazing. which I learned watching the commentary track because they were like, well, why do we get someone who's knows how to do it if we could just get it right from the source? But yeah, just everything about that movie, just the intensity is brought back to it. And it's the first time it feels like book bond. I don't know if you guys have read any of them. I'm not super well versed, but I've at least looked yeah. into them. I think when I was um, like. 12 uh, I went to the library and I was like James Bond's a cool thing I'm gonna go get a James Bond book and then I got Goldfinger maybe read like three chapters and I was like okay I guess I'm done with this and (laughs) I wasn't ready (laughs) yeah Ian Fleming's a bit uh harsh uh, is I think the best way to describe yeah, it. It's not, yeah, it's not the just, best book for like a 12 year old also. Like it's, it's not like the oh, most yeah. dynamic read, you know? Absolutely not. But yeah, just it, Eva Green is incredible. Mads Mikkelsen just is an inhaler toting villain who eventually <laughs> again, <laughs> as all villains do, gets shot by some unnamed person, uh, in a dark scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get that horrible scene that, uh, Daniel Craig just getting whacked in the nuts with that (laughs) carpet beater thing and it's just it's it's the intensity that the franchise needed at that moment and i'm very happy that craig is still around but yeah that's my uh number three casino royale yeah casino royale which yeah and especially i think we uh, should mention the influence of the Bourne films too on the craig james bond movies uh which you know die another day came out the same year as the Bourne identity and (laughs) die another day was like roundly rejected i'm sure it made money uh but like Fans didn't like it. They thought it was way too goofy and like critics didn't like it because it was bad. Uh, and then <laughs> the Bourne Identity comes out and it's this like really cool kind of fresh take on the spy thriller. It's still my favorite of the Bourne movies. Like the Greengrass ones didn't do all that much for me, but like the original Bourne Identity is really, really good and really solid. And that is like the model going forward, especially, you know, Bourne Supremacy uh, gets the shaky cam in there, which is 2004, 2006. Casino Royale comes in also doing the shaky cam thing and also doing that kind of stuff uh and it's it works really well for james bond when it wants to because they tried it again with quantum of solace and it did not work <laughs> at all <laughs> not at all yeah i'm not a quantum of solace fan if i if i had to choose a worst james bond movie that i've seen personally uh and i'm not sure if it is technically the worst but it's the one i was most disappointed by uh because i think yeah be, because i saw quantum of solace in theaters after having seen casino royale in theaters and being so hyped up over casino royale i loved that movie and then i went to see quantum of solace two years later uh which was 2008 and it was a movie that was severely hampered by the writer's strike that happened around that time because they had to basically right. shoot the movie without a script uh, and uh, you can tell when you watch the movie. It's it's nonsense. But uh, but yeah, so Casino Royale, Nick's number three and uh, an excellent choice. Mike, what's your number three James Bond movie of all time? Uh, my number three is one we've talked about, and that is Goldfinger. This is gold, Mr. Bond. All my life I've been in love with its color, its brilliance, its divine heaviness. I welcome any enterprise that will increase my stock, which is considerable. I think you've made your point, Goldfinger. Thank you for the demonstration. Choose your next witticism carefully, Mr. Bond. It may be your last. The purpose of our two previous encounters is now very clear to me. I do not intend to be distracted by another. Good night, Mr. Bond. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. 
Goldfinger. Um, that's right. I expect you to die, Mr. Bond. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Nick laid it out the way that this movie just like sets the formula to last for 30 years, which is amazing. And and just to, like this, the, I think all of the iconography of James Bond kind of like comes from this movie. The the white tuxedo with the red flower and, you know, the the woman painted gold dead on the bed is like, yeah, uh, you know, like there's so much beautiful imagery that like is lasting from this movie and Bond on the table with the laser coming up between his legs and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, and this is one of the ones that like the early classic James Bond movies that like it was part of the rotation for me, uh, like, you know, with me and my dad and stuff. So this is one of the early ones that I really do enjoy a lot watching because um, some of them, I think maybe particularly the like late Roger Moore stuff. It's like, OK, like I get it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, Goldfinger is just, just uh, chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Goldfinger's awesome, which uh, we have talked about. So I think we can move on a little bit from that. But yeah, it's a really good movie and a really fun movie. And again, one of my honorable mentions, uh, Nick, that was your number four, right? Your go- was Goldfinger. Yes. OK. Yeah. So number four, Mike's number three and one of my honorable mentions. So obviously all thumbs up. We're all big fans <laughs> yeah. of, of Goldfinger here. Uh, my number three actually goes into the Roger Moore era. And it's the one Roger Moore movie that I've seen that I would consider like a great Bond movie and also just a great time. It's a great movie. Uh, and that is 1977's The Spy Who Loved Me. We have entered a new era of Anglo-Soviet cooperation. And as a sign of Russian good faith, I'm prepared to make available to you the microfilm recovered by Agent Triple X. Don't bother with it, then. It's useless. I assure you it is quite genuine. This was only intended to whet our appetites. Maybe Q can make something out of it. Everybody ready? Right. What is that? Oh, whoops. Wait a minute. Huh? Q. Good God. Right. Follows. Whoops. Hmm, wait a minute. Directed by Lewis Gilbert. Uh, and this is one I haven't seen in a long time. I'm throwing it on the list mostly because of the reaction that me and my roommates had when we watched it for the first time, which is that we had a fucking ball watching this movie. It's so much fun. It's everything you want in a James Bond movie. It's Roger Moore, like being suave, being charming, being like silly and fun. Uh, it also has Jaws, who's one of the best evil henchmen that Bond has to fight. I think he pops up in another movie, too. I'm blanking on which one. Uh, Moonraker. There it is. Uh, which I think was the next movie after this, actually. And yep. uh, Moonraker is kind of where it goes off the deep end and kind of goes <laughs> kind of goes a little yeah. too crazy. Uh, but The Spy Who Loved Me is like, to me, the platonic ideal of what a Roger Moore James Bond movie can be. You know, like it's very mm-hmm. fun. It's very silly, uh, but it's very exciting. It's very energetic. It ends with, you know, Bond having sex with the, uh, the Bond girl and MI6 is listening in on the on the thing because <laughs> they don't realize he's having sex and which happens in a few movies, actually. Uh, that's how a lot yeah. of them end, weirdly. Uh, but yeah, The Spy Who Loved Me, 1977. Uh, I think it's a great time. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'm, I'm throwing it on the list like out of faith almost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I hope this is good. Like, I hope this is a- as good as I remember it being, but I remember it being a ton of fun. Uh, I think it's a good faith choice. You picked a good one, okay. especially it's out of the Roger Moore movies. Yeah, you could have missed pretty big there. So, uh, yeah, it's 
a good call on your part. Fair enough. But yeah, just I, I believe that movie opens with it. He's having sex with a Russian agent, as he always is. Sure. And he he gets a call, and they're like, "Where are you going? Uh, who's more important than me?" And he goes, "England." And then he just skis down a hill <laughs> and parachutes, <laughs> and has a Union Jack parachute, and yes. it is the. It's so campy, but it's just so perfect. And then we just go right into Carly Simon's song. Yeah. And it's, uh, the, it's, the, it's the best Roger Moore ever did. The the Bond movies have a weird fascination with skiing, I feel like, because they had Honor Majesty's Secret Service. There's the skiing stuff in there. There's the Spy Who Loved Me. There's also, uh, I think, A View to a Kill uh, has like a big skiing set piece, right? That's the one uh, with the Duran Duran song. And then Spectre even has like a big thing set at a, uh, at yeah. like a ski resort. Uh, a weird a view fascination. A Kill invented snowboarding. Like <laughs> there's true. a scene in the beginning, he's skiing. California Girls starts playing either through the movie or what. And he loses a ski and then stands sideways and skis down the hill and he invents right. skateboarding. It's so like Marty McFly with the skateboard, James Bond with the snowboard. <laughs> Exactly. You know, James your, Bond, your cousin, Barry Snowboard. <laughs> James Bond went from, you know, listening to the Beatles through earmuffs to inventing the X Games uh, in the span of 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> That's how much we this franchise got ahead evolved. of the culture. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my number three is The Spy Who Loved Me. As a quick recap, Nick picked Casino Royale as number three and Mike picked Goldfinger. Uh, Nick, what is your number two James Bond movie of all time? We're getting down to the wire here. Uh, my number two is one that has, again, also been mentioned, and that is Skyfall. What do you see? A bloody big ship. Excuse me. 007. I'm your new quartermaster. You must be joking. Why? Because I'm not wearing a lab coat? Because you still have spots. My complexion is hardly relevant. Well, your competence is. Age is no guarantee of efficiency. And youth is no guarantee of innovation. Or has it I can do more damage on my laptop sitting in my pajamas before my first cup of Earl Grey than you can do in a year in the field? Oh, so why do you need me? Every now and then a trigger has to be pulled. Or not pulled. It's hard to know which in your pajamas. All right. Um, this is one. It was the first Bond movie I saw in theaters uh, being a late convert. Like no one in my family really liked these movies. I kind of had to seek them out on my own. Yeah. But I was so desperate to see it that even when I went and the theater was almost completely sold out, I basically lied on my back in the front row to watch <laughs> it, which is the worst way to see the movie because it's just so breathtakingly beautiful. And just, yeah trying to center in on it um it's just bizarre but i think it it handles the nostalgia aspect of it a lot better while returning bond to form because yeah quantum solace is kind of a mess and that's a product of the writer's strike and everything else but just they finally got it back where it needed to be after that one and just the way that they handle nostalgia whether that's just oh we should do it the old way he just has a radio and a gun he literally mm. goes back to his roots and has a big old home alone scene with a <laughs> marvelous <laughs> albert finney performance right uh who i think about continually originally that was supposed to be sean connery because right. it was going to be the retirement home for for old james bonds and all that that yeah. would have been the worst thing in the world so i'm very happy that we ended up where we did <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, Javier Bardem gets to ham it up. He gets to have this beautiful, horrific-looking blonde wig and just mm-hmm. saunter around listening to old uh, R&B music for a majority of it. And uh, I intended to rewatch all of these movies before the podcast, but uh, I think he texted me on Friday, and today is Monday. <laughs> and uh, I only really had time to rewatch one. Uh, and this is the one I chose to do because it's it's the one that it's just even hearing that Adele song just makes me want to throw on the movie immediately. And it's just yeah. it's a comfort movie for me, and I just love everything that it does for the franchise. And just one final thing, just has how it ends with "Are you ready, 007? And he just goes with pleasure, and then it fades straight to black. Yes. And it's just that's why I am so I despise Spectre so much because it has everything set up right for it, and then it just completely goes with him. I'll just go rogue again for the eighth time in a row. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I mean, uh, it's also the weird thing with Bond, where every movie since the Cold War ended has always been about like, is Bond really necessary in today's world? <laughs> yeah, for thirty years, exactly. Yeah. Like every. Every movie since, uh, and it is one of those things like, when can they move on from that concept and just be like, yeah, he's a secret agent. This is what he does. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I think they're just going to have to make like a period piece in like the mid sixties again. Otherwise I don't know what you do. Cause it's be- just going to be drones shooting at bond in the future. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. <laughs> that would be really interesting. Actually, if, if after Craig, they decided to just make a movie that's set in the sixties again for whatever reason, that'd be wild. Uh, they can't I'll, even I'll- escalate to space cause they already have done that. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, off limits. <laughs> I mean, they've done ski resorts multiple times, Mike. They can do space again. <laughs> That's true. Fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I also like since you uh, for whatever reason, I was reminded of one of my favorite moments in Skyfall, which is a very small moment, uh, but it's in the opening action set piece with Dan Craig on the train uh, and he's jumping from train to train car and he like lands on the train. And as he does, he like straightens his cufflink. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's such a perfect like one second encapsulation of James Bond, like as a whole. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so, so good. And uh, man, I love that movie. It's so great. Actually, when I saw it in theaters, Skyfall, uh, I was ridiculously sick. Uh, like I like I it was opening weekend. And, you know, I, I it was like a sophomore year of college uh, and I had come down with like this really bad cold. And I was like, oh, God, I'm so sick but I have to go see Skyfall. Uh, And so I, you know, I went on like the bus and I got to the theater and I was just sitting there by myself, like covered in like a giant coat, like sniffling. But, uh, and I felt terrible, but man, the movie fucking rules. It was so good. But yeah, so that's a Skyfall. Nick's number two. Mike, we're getting down to the wire. What's your number two James Bond movie of all time? Uh, We've already been talking about it because it's Skyfall. All right. Look at that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, I have to throw love on a friend of the show, Roger Deakins. Um, Of course. Which is what we just talk about when we mention people we really admire. They're just a friend of the show. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, this movie is is the best, most beautiful, uh, best looking Bond movie, I think. And just everything about it. I think the, like Nick said, the nostalgia aspect of it and the way like, you know, he gets the Aston Martin back, but also while moving the stuff forward, like like Ben Wishaw as Q is like just the perfect evolution of that character. I don't know. Like he's he's yeah. you know, Q is always like the silliest part of a Bond movie or in the old ones. Yeah. Uh, you know, but and now he's like contemplative and we're meeting at an art museum. I don't know. It just feels it feels so strange <laughs> and different. Uh, but it's so much expecting fun. an exploding pen. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> love it. Um, and yeah, and I do love a lot of the like those kind of like th- throwback references to older movies that like you kind of get some some uh, little extra enjoyment out of. And that like that moment at the end when he walks in the office and there's like the coat rack. And I was like, wait a second. Is this going to be <laughs> is this what's happening? And then Money Penny's there and then Ray Fine comes out as, as M and was just like, holy shit. The, the three movie long reboot has finally happened. Um, yeah. Because as much as like I don't like Quantum of Solace, I do think it's really 
interesting as like the only direct sequel that any of these movies have uh, or an interesting attempt. So I'm glad that they finally like, got their shit together and made Skyfall like one of the most perfect Bond movies. So. Yeah. What's interesting about the Craig movies, too, is that they are more dedicated to continuity than the other James Bond movies are. Because, uh, yeah, Quantum of Solace is a direct sequel. And then Spectre is like trying to connect the dots with all three movies and put them all into one. doesn't really work, but it's uh, I think Spectre is still a fun time. I don't think it's a very good movie, but it's fun. But with Skyfall, it's such a good self-contained story, too, which is why yeah. it's so which is why it's so weird that Spectre tries to connect the dots between that and Casino Royale and being like, I was the mastermind behind everything. James <laughs> I mean, the scene, too, I, I want to mention we talked about Javier Bardem, but that scene when he's like explaining the effects of cyanide and like takes his dentures out is yeah. like the the scariest thing I've ever seen in a Bond movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's really good. That first, uh, when you first meet Javier Bardem too, and it's just like, he's, it's that long shot where he's so far away and he's yeah. monologuing and he just kind of slowly comes closer to the camera. It's, it's so good. Skyfall is a great movie. Number two. Uh, yeah. That's Mike's number two. And then my number two, is one of the movies that I actually uh, watched for the first time just a few days ago. Uh, so I don't know if like I've spent enough time with it to fully put it on my list, but whatever. Uh, it's it's my list. I can do what I want. Uh, this is the one that actually pushed out Goldfinger for me uh, as the best uh, Sean Connery movie, and that is 1963's From Russia with Love. Visas. Visas. Tom. Thank you. which is a really fascinating movie because it is pre goldfinger and so it's kind of before a lot of the iconic james bond stuff happens uh so dr no is the first one with sean connery very first james bond movie and there is still a lot of like big stuff like that movie has him saying bond james bond and all that stuff Mm -hmm. uh from russia with love doesn't have any of that like it's just like a completely isolated thing he never says bond james bond he never orders a martini shake and not stirred or anything like that it's it's a pretty isolated movie on its own and it's really interesting because it's i think it's the only bond movie where you see him doing actual spy like espionage stuff <laughs> uh, you know he's not fighting like this mad super villain he's fighting like an arms dealer and you know it's it's he's just kind of doing like these small you know kind of isolated spy incidents robert shaw is in this movie uh, as one of the bad guys henchmen and he's amazing in it they have this one like kind of uh confrontation on the train towards the end of the movie uh that is just so much so cool and so tense it's it's one of the few like early bond movies that really gets like oh man this is actually like really intense this is crazy that uh, this is happening and it's so low stakes and so kind of low-key compared to almost every other (laughs) james bond movie uh and it makes you wonder like what the movies would be like if like this was the one that kind of took off instead of goldfinger you know where like goldfinger was the iconic one with all the stuff happening in it but like if if more James Bond movies were like this, which I think some of the Timothy Dalton, Daniel Craig stuff is, but like this is a little bit more grounded than, you know, almost every other James Bond movie. And I think it really works as a result. And Sean Connery is amazing in it. Like it, as far as like the romance stuff goes, like, yes, he's not good at like romance in most of these James Bond movies because he's Sean Connery and that's not his thing. Uh, <laughs> but he, 
you never get the sense that that's the idea in this movie. Like, it's just like Sean Connery is just horny and he's just like <laughs> hitting on everyone. And that's kind of the thing with From Russia With Love. And that's kind of what uh, makes this so perfect. So, uh, yeah, From Russia With Love from 1963. I'm throwing that out there as my number two James Bond movie of all time. All right. Um, <laughs> I could comment on yours or if you would just like me to go straight into my number one. Is your uh, number one also be- From Russia With Love? <laughs> Well, before I get into that, I would just like to give an honorable mention to my man, Roger Moore, whose movies that while not incredible, I've probably seen the most just because they're the, they're the easiest to throw on Mm -hmm. live and let die, which is basically just a black exploitation movie that has Roger Moore wandering around through it is excellent. Um, (laughs) man with the golden gun, you get Ian Fleming's cousin, Christopher Lee as the only man who's bigger than James Bond in basically the whole chronology. And they just have a big duel in the end. And it's just, even if he sucks as an actor or sucks just as a general suave man who ends up just being a 59 year old, still hitting on people in their mid twenties, which is very <laughs> uncomfortable. He's still the man. Uh, yeah. So I will tell you the other bond movie that I watched leading up to this podcast was the man with the golden gun, uh, which I had never seen before. Uh, and Christopher Lee, amazing in that movie. He's so good. Like one of the yeah. best bond villains ever. I think the movie itself is so, so, uh, but Roger Moore is fun ish in it. You know, it, it is weird. Cause it's like, there's a whole sequence that takes place in like a martial arts school. And Roger Moore is supposed to be able to like beat up all these martial artists. Uh, and Roger Moore is so bad at on-screen fighting. It's really, <laughs> it's really incredible, like how bad he is. At least in this movie, because I haven't seen most of the, most of the more movies in a long time. But watching this, I was like, Jesus! Like, like, and this was like '74. Like, imagine if like Bruce Lee had lived another year and got cast in this James Bond movie. Like, how ridiculous it would seem yeah. <laughs> to see like Roger Moore exactly. beating Bruce Lee or something. It just, it's ridiculous. So, uh, but I did enjoy watching the Man with the Golden Gun. I think it is fun. And Christopher Lee, so good. Superb. Yeah. Well, getting away from that for a minute and going back into what we were just talking about, my number one is From Russia with Love. Boom. Uh, wow. This was the first Bond movie I ever saw. Uh, oh, wow. Seven year old me, when I love Jaws so much, let me watch Sequest. Let me watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Let me watch. <laughs> From Russia with Love, a movie yeah. that I did not know was a James Bond movie until I put it on solely because Robert Shaw is in it. <laughs> and I was not disappointed. This is the one that just is. Is it aping Hitchcock? I don't know. But there's a lot of trains. There's a very <laughs> similar chase with a helicopter that feels very north by northwest. Yeah. And back to what you were saying, it's just it's the first time and one of the last times he's really ahead of everything without it feeling effortless. Like he's a detective and Goldfinger. He's behind every single time and he's just kind of feels like an asshole the whole time because he's just basically people have to explain things to him this is the first time he's actually detecting and it's just it's an incredible movie the action scenes still stand up specifically that robert shaw train fight and it just as much as goldfinger set up everything that the series would become i do have to reiterate what you said i kind of wish it stuck to these low stakes stories because the movie almost even gets smaller and smaller as it goes where there's the train fight, the helicopter fight, the boat fight, and then a knife fight. And then the movie finally ends. (laughs) And it's just, it, it just, it does this great parabola of, just accelerating and decelerating action. And it's just the most concise and focused that the Bond movies get. And that's why it's my number one. Yeah. So that's from Russia with love. My number two and Nick's number one. Excellent. An excellent choice for number one. Like I literally just watched it for the first time a few days ago. Uh, and as I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, I, I see why people like this one a lot. Like this, <laughs> this is really good. Uh, but all right, Mike, what's your number one James Bond movie of all time? The basic bitch hours is Goldeneye. Come on. I knew it. Yeah. Come <laughs> <I> was, on. <laughs> come on. I mean, that's I mean, fair. That's fair. Goldeneye's awesome. It's, it's yeah. great. 
And what words do you live by? The trick is to quit while you're still a kid. Now, that's one trick I've never learned. Perhaps you'll show me how it's done. Vodka martini. Shaken, not stirred. And for you? The same. How do you take it? Straight up. With a twist. Thank you, Mr. The name's Bond. James Bond. Xenia Sergeyevna Onatop. Onatop? Onatop. Your accent, Georgian? Mm, very good, Mr. Bond. You've been to Russia? Not recently. I was to drop in occasionally. Shoot in and out. This movie rocks. Uh, this was my first James Bond movie that I had ever seen. I don't know when it came out, but definitely not in theaters. But yeah, I mean, it's just it kind of was the introduction to it. And, and just the Pierce Brosnan as that, like, we'll kind of do in both thing. But I enjoy that, I guess, or, or at least particularly in the first two. <laughs> yeah, I don't know really know what I, what there is to say about GoldenEye other than that it just rocks. And it kind of spawned, you know, the, the, the video game that changed the world. It's uh, just a, like a cultural <laughs> behemoth, uh, at least in that era. And just like, and I'm thinking about it now, there's that, that moment too with the Daniel Craig thing with him jumping on the train and then fixing his, his cufflink. There's the scene, you know, where Chris Brosnan drives the tank through a brick wall at the end and then like <laughs> comes up out of the thing and adjusts his tie. Uh, it's just like the, the, the little subtle things that happen throughout just like all James Bond movies that make this character and franchise just like the most delightful fun. Yeah. And this is just uh, this crazy. I don't know. They're they're all Russian. Russia is going to start the th World War Three and James Bond solves it by having sex with people and like that's fun. that's fun that's a good time you know sure Bianca jensen is great as uh she's like Zena, a psycho Zena on a top or whatever the names yeah. are always <laughs> amazing yeah it's just i think i think you know this is a big nostalgia pick for me obviously like all of these are but yeah I could, this is a movie that like i could throw on at any moment and be absolutely delighted that i'm watching it so yeah it's golden eye I think you're describing like the scene where James Bond drives a tank through a wall is like the perfect like description <laughs> of all 90s action. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> like every 90s Roland Emmerich, Michael Bay, like big, huge, bombastic action set piece. Like that's like the distillation of that right there. Yeah. And Sean <laughs> Bean is amazing. Uh, oh, yeah, 006, yeah. the the back from the dead villain. It's just good, good times. More train yeah. action, I think. Right. Maybe? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yep. yeah, no, you can there's, you can't have a bomb movie without some train action. That's yeah. that's generally how it works. Uh, but yeah, so, so that's Goldeneye from 1995. Uh, Pierce Brosnan's first movie as a as James Bond and Mike's number one of all time. And then my number one is also one that uh, made both of your guys list. And that is uh, Casino Royale 2006. You don't think this is a very good plan, do you? So there is a plan. I got the impression we were risking millions of dollars and hundreds of lives on a game of luck. What else can you surmise, Mr. Bond? About you, Miss Lynn? Well, your beauty's a problem. You worry you won't be taken seriously. Which one can say of any attractive woman with half a brain? True, but this one overcompensates by wearing slightly masculine clothing, being more aggressive than her female colleagues, which gives her a somewhat prickly demeanor. And ironically enough, makes it less likely for her to be accepted and promoted by her male superiors, who mistake her insecurities for arrogance. Now, I'd have normally gone with only child, but, um... You see, by the way you ignored the quip about your parents, I'm gonna have to go with Orphan. All right. By the cut of his suit, you went to Oxford or wherever. Naturally, think human beings dress like that. 
but you wear it with such disdain. My guess is you didn't come from money, and your school friends never let you forget it. Which means you were at that school by the grace of someone else's charity, hence the chip on your shoulder. And since your first thought about me ran to orphan, that's what I'd say you are. Well, you are. <laughs> I like the spooky thing. And that makes perfect sense. Since MI6 looks for maladjusted young men, I give little thought to sacrificing others in order to protect Queen and Country. You know, former SAS types with easy smiles and expensive watches. Rolex? Amiga. Beautiful. Now, having just met you, I wouldn't go as far as calling you a cold-hearted bastard. Yeah. But it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine. You think of women as disposable pleasures rather than meaningful pursuits. So as charming as you are, Mr. Bond, I will be keeping my eye on our government's money and off your perfectly formed hearts. You noticed. Even accountants have imagination. Uh, starring Daniel Craig in his first round as a James Bond, directed by Martin Campbell, who was also the director of GoldenEye. Uh, and, you know, he, it's, it's, he's a guy who reinvigorated the James Bond franchise once. And then when they needed somebody to do it again, they were like, should we just get the same guy? And then, and then <laughs> Should we get did. the guy that made Vertical Limit? <laughs> <laughs> and then they did. They did that. And uh, it worked out. Like, it's amazing, like, how good Casino Royale is and how much of a fresh start it was for the series. A fresh start that I think it has alternately squandered and hit depending on which movie you're talking yeah. about. Uh, Cause I mean, quantum of Solace is pretty bad. And Spectre is a movie that I think is good enough. Like it, it, like the set pieces are really, really well directed and it still looks great because it's still Sam Mendes directing after Skyfall and all this stuff. I don't think Roger Deakins came back for that one though. I think somebody else shot that. Uh, I'm blank. I'm blanking on who it was. Maybe it was Deacons. Who knows? But I think it's still Deacons. Is yeah. it still Deacons? Okay. So I yeah. mean, it still looks great. And there's like you know some cool camera work. And there's like that one like kind of long one take the beginning that has mm-hmm. like that in Mexico like the Day of the Dead stuff and whatever. But uh, yeah, Spectre on a story level doesn't really work all that well. Even though it's like a really well made movie, uh, Quantum of Solace is just a complete bag of nonsense. But Skyfall <laughs> is great. And then Casino Royale, I think, is just the perfect beginning to the series. And it is one that like. Like, I've heard people talk about Casino Royale and me like, well, if Casino Royale is your favorite James Bond movie, then you don't really like James Bond movies, <laughs> which is sort of a fair thing to say because it, like, gets rid of all the general conventions of James Bond movies right. in favor of this, like, more intense kind of real world type deal. But it's such a good movie. It's <laughs> it's great. Is Casino uh, Royale the one where he orders a Heineken instead of a uh, martini? Or is that? Uh, I think he might do that at some point. There's one moment where uh, he orders a martini, and the guy asks, "Shaken or stirred?" And Daniel Craig says, "Do I look like I give a damn?" Oh, that might be it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that again, like I mentioned, like we kind of mentioned these like small moments. That's like the one where it's like kind of defines Craig's take on the character of mm-hmm. James Bond, especially in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. That like early, like rough around the edges, James Bond doesn't take any shit. Will just you know resort to violence at any moment and. All that stuff isn't isn't so much in the espionage as much as it is, is into beating people up. But yeah, Casino Royale is awesome. And I remember seeing this was the first bomb movie I saw in theaters. And I remember seeing it, you know, with uh, with actually with Kyle, who has been on this podcast many times before. Our music supervisor, Kyle, saw it with him and his brother and his dad. And like we were there sitting in the theater. I think we we're the only ones in the theater. Uh, it was probably like a, week, like a couple of weeks after it came out or something like that. It was a matinee show. Uh, I remember there was a mouse that was scurrying across like the bottom of the screen, (laughs) (laughs) but we were still, it was the, uh, the Regal Fishkill theater, by the way, in case anybody wants to uh, report them for a mouse that was, 
there 15 years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not that they're open right now anyway. Uh, <laughs> the last two times I was there, they forgot to turn off the lights during the movie. So uh, they're, they're doing just as well now. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, so we were there, but I was still so enraptured by the movie. And it was kind of like my first exposure to James Bond. I had seen Goldfinger and Goldeneye at that point. But this was like the first one that I could latch on to and being like, this is my James Bond. Like This is the one that's coming out when I'm growing up. Uh, and Daniel Craig was so good in the movie. And Ava Green, like you mentioned, so great. Mads Mikkelsen. And, you know, the set pieces were so cool. All the parkour stuff. And I remember being like enraptured in that poker scene. And like yeah. looking back on it, it's like I shouldn't have been that into <laughs> a scene, <laughs> like a 45 minute scene where people are just sitting around a table playing poker. Uh, but it's so good. It's it's that good. Oh, Jeffrey Wright as a uh, as Felix Leiter in this movie yes. also is uh, is really great. Uh, so yeah, Casino Royale 2006, the uh, kind of relaunch of the James Bond franchise. That's my number one for uh, my the entire James Bond series. And hopefully, Daniel Craig can go out on a high note with No Time to Die. I mean, they got Kerry Fukunaga directing, which is encouraging. Uh, he's a very good director. Uh, the, the trailers make it look awesome. Like, and I, I really wanted to like just kind of basically ignore everything that happened in Spectre. And I know like Christoph Waltz and Melanie Laurent are back in the movie, which makes sense just kind of given what happened in Spectre. But like, you know, just have them in there for a minute and then <laughs> move yeah. on to, to whatever other crazy shit that you have planned. Because uh, I really think No Time to Die has the potential to be maybe the first great final bond movie for an actor. Uh, or yeah. I want, maybe I won't say that. Cause I think a license to kill from t- with Timothy Dalton is pretty good. You know, as far as like Roger Moore goes, like what was his last bond movie? It was for your eyes only, or was that, is that uh, right? a view to a kill, a which to uh, kill. the last scene in Roger Moore's entire James Bond franchise is a robot sliding into a shower as Q is watching and he sees James Bond have sex with Tanya Roberts from Charlie's angels. And then it fades to black. And that's, that's Roger Moore's. That's the bookend of his signing off ludicrous. Yes. So yeah, he got that and you know, Pierce Brosnan had died another day, which was terrible. One of the worst ones. And I mean, Mm -hmm. Sean Connery has diamonds are forever, which I actually have not seen, but I've heard it's not the best. Nick, you're, you're the expert here. What do you think? Uh, it sucks, but it's fun to watch. And I think that's the biggest sin these movies can have is being boring. And that one is at least not Connery's most boring movie. Okay. So. What, what do you think is Connery's most boring out of curiosity? Uh, Thunderball. Cause okay. the underwater photography was new. And I think at that time it was probably incredible to watch two armies come at each other in very slow motion in a wide scene underwater. But boy, does it just not stand the test of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Thun- and Thunderball was that was the one that he kind of remade with Never Say Never Again, right? That was sort of yes. the same story, right? Is that is Never Say Never Again any better? Have you seen that one? I have seen that one. That one is much, much, much worse. Uh, <laughs> what a twist. Kim, Kim Basinger is in it. I think she's only like 22 and Connery's already in his late 50s. There's a <laughs> video game scene where they're at an arcade and like, I believe they kill a horse on screen. The I, whole thing is just I only play bizarre. Pac-Man through earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> the, is that the um, like unofficial Bond movie, right? There, isn't there one? Yeah. Of those? Yeah. yeah, so that There's, was, they, yeah, that, that's the unofficial one that like Connery came back to make in the 80s, but it's not considered part of the Eon Productions, which is the studio that makes James Bond movies. But like, for whatever reason, they could get the rights to make this one story uh, with this other studio. And Connery was like, I'll do that. And (laughs) and that was it. So that was a weird year because that was Connery and Roger Moore had a Bond movie out the same year uh, in 1983, which uh, I'm blanking on what the Roger Moore movie was. Octopussy. Uh, It was Octopussy. Which is the (laughs) funnest Roger Moore movie to say. Uh, He dresses up in a clown in that one. And would you believe it? There's another train fight. Um, So... 
You could just take a wild guess and throw it at a dartboard, and you'd probably be right. There's a train somewhere in it's, every movie. Yep. It's a train that leads directly to a ski resort, actually. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happens? Uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it for our top five James Bond movies. Do you guys have any honorable mentions that you want to throw out there? Um, I was going to um, put um, originally like my first like pass. Uh, number five was going to be um, Live and Let Die just because it is just fucking insane. It is just a black exploitation yeah. movie, but James Bond runs across alligators in it. Uh, but then I remembered uh, Tomorrow Never Dies has uh, Michelle Yeoh in it. And I was like, that's got to go. <laughs> that's got to be Michelle, Michelle Yeoh greater than alligators is what yes. you're saying. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> Fair enough. Nick, you have any uh, honorable mentions you want to throw out there? Basically, just any of the Roger Moore movies, just because they're just so fun to watch, even if they do just un- inarguably suck. <laughs> um, and uh, I have. Yeah, that's that's basically it. Those are those are the main honorable mentions. There. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say Goldfinger for me, which made both of your guys' top five, and it's like right, it's like my number six right now. Uh, but yeah, Gold, Goldfinger high up there, and License to Kill, the uh, Timothy Dalton movie, which yeah. uh, is not is another one that uh, I liked a lot. I have not seen his other movie, The Living Daylights. Uh, which I think I've heard is better. Nick, you're the guy on this. Uh. Um, again, that one, that one's much better, but it feels like an Indiana Jones movie so much so that Jonathan Rhys Davies shows up basically as Sala and <laughs> offers him help while he's in Egypt. Um, it also joins uh, Rambo three in the rare pantheon of movies that funded the Mujahideen. So uh, uh, James Bond is partially responsible for some terrorism. All so, right. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, but License to Kill, though, I remember being a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which which was also one of the only ones that actually brings Q along on the adventure, uh, which is one of the things I liked about it. Like he's just like, oh, it's Q and he's bumbling around. He's being silly. It's fun. Uh, and, I, and they kind of started doing that with the Daniel Craig ones, too, with uh, I mean, he's not he, he's like integral in certain scenes in Skyfall. But then Inspector, like they bring along Q and Moneypenny like for the ride. And they're like they're part of the gang. And like, they're trying Impossible. to be like a Fast and Furious Mission Impossible. Like just it's a big ensemble thing now. And it's not just James Bond, uh, which I expect to continue in No Time to Die. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, so I wanted to throw out License to Kill as an honorable mention. Do either of you guys have a choice for the worst James Bond movie? Uh, I would go with Die Another Day solely just because I think without that movie, you wouldn't be able to do uh, Casino Royale. And yeah. It's just, it is the a, Batman and Robin to the, ba- to the Batman begins. Yeah. Casino Royale. <laughs> yeah. And just, yeah. The Madonna sings the song and is also in the movie. Pierce Brosnan <laughs> surfs on some refuse mm-hmm. in the Antarctic as they get a satellite that burns the polar ice caps. And it's just, the whole movie is just nonsensical. And I believe there's a robot suit near the end and it's, it, no part of it feels anything like a James Bond movie. <laughs> and I think that's its biggest sin. Yeah. Yeah. I, I scanned past that on a uh, HBO or something like uh, yesterday uh, and I was like oh for the we're doing the James Bond and I've made it 10 minutes and I was like this isn't worth it uh, <laughs> 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 it's just changed the channel um, yeah. but also I do I do uh, you know I guess as a uh, Pierce Brosnan stand, I'll put the world is not enough as like an honorable mention or just like a one that I I haven't seen in a long time but I do remember really liking uh, Robert Carlyle as the like crazy bad guy in that and sure. the, it's got the worst Bond girl pun where he's like looks like christmas came early and then panta fireworks it's um, actually I, I thought christmas only comes once a year oh my god way better. even worse than i thought <laughs> um yeah awful um but yeah i mean maybe it's fun i don't really remember but anyway, there you go world is not enough yeah uh I, I the world is not enough i mostly remember for that pun and yeah. also for the uh, the garbage theme song which is actually really good uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean like the band garbage oh, yeah, on the yeah. theme song that's what i mean <laughs> Uh, I like that theme song a lot, but, uh, yeah. And, and then my worst would be quantum of solace, 
which, uh, yeah, it's rough. It's a bad movie. <laughs> you know, it's even weird, though. Even, like, I, I don't really particularly like Quantum of Solace, but I think most of these movies have at least, like, one set piece that fucking rocks. And this that scene, it's, like, the big opera meeting of Quantum or whatever the hell, where they're, like, yeah. at the opera house. I don't know. That scene is seems really cool to me. Um, okay. Plus, yeah, we get, I mean, plus, we get that fake theme song with the What's It of Boris or whatever. Right. <laughs> which is, <laughs> the best thing to come out of Quantum of Solace is that, uh, that fake theme song that Joe Cornish did for yes. the movie. Uh, which is like, it was like a British radio show, but it's just like the Ziggy of what's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what it means. It's great. Um, but yeah, Quantum of Solace. That, I haven't seen it since it was in theaters, uh, which was uh, 12 years ago at this point. Uh, I do plan to do a big, like a, at least a Daniel Craig rewatch of his four movies before uh, No Time to Die comes out. And I was planning on doing that, you know, back in like March of this year. And then <laughs> it got right. pushed and then it got pushed again. So hopefully March of 2021, I'll be able to actually uh, rewatch those movies. I guess I could rewatch them at any time, but I want to like time it for when No Time to Die is about to come out. Uh, so hopefully I'm able to do that. And maybe I'll reassess Quantum of Solace. Who's to, who's yeah. to say? Maybe if it's a secret masterpiece. Who if knows? you start uh, with Dr. No now, come March, <laughs> you'll have it timed out perfectly. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I recommend if you watch Casino Royale and then go straight into Quantum, it kind of has a Lawrence of Arabia effect where it's the beginning is so good that you kind of forgive everything that happens near the end. <laughs> And they literally take place within seconds of each other. Yeah, like he right. shoves Mr. White in the trunk and then the movie starts. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, also, the, the ending of Casino Royale, by the way, the best uh, Bond, James Bond of all time. It's, oh, yeah. it's yeah. so good. It's the ending it's of perfect, it kind of, Yeah, actually, it is. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, but yeah, uh, you guys have a choice for best James Bond, by the way, the best actor to play James Bond. I feel like it's stereotypical, but I would still say Connery. But OK, it's it's just he's got the he's got the weight of it. He can still kind of do cheesy stuff. And until the end until probably his last two movies he was trying for the most part <laughs> yeah roger moore ha- was having way too easy of a time and other people just tried to again have it both ways but i feel like connery just was the most well-rounded of them all right mm. yeah no, that's, that's a good choice yeah mike you got a choice for best bond um i guess i guess it's daniel craig for me uh only because i guess just batting average wise <laughs> um, i was gonna say <laughs> two Pierce, great movies and two mediocre ones basically yeah pierce brosnan's <laughs> got one great movie and one okay movie and then two well, whatever um and i feel like a okay movie that you named number five of number all time. five yeah is my yeah. okay is his okay movie yeah i don't know i mean I've, i don't know if i've seen enough and paid attention enough uh of the connery and more movies to like pass a judgment on them being the best yeah okay fair enough uh and dan craig also my choice for for best bond i think he like is the one who i think he ha- has like the best traits of pretty much all of the other actors to play james bond and kind of just merges them into one character but it's also a lot rougher than most of those actors tend to be, except for maybe Timothy Dalton, uh, but definitely probably even rougher than him. So, yeah, I think Dan Craig's the best Bond. Do you guys have a choice for best villain? Out of curiosity. Uh, this job. is a stumper. Odd job. Just <laughs> Goldfinger. Uh, yes, just uh, because he was bullshit character in the GoldenEye video game. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> that's uh, Christopher it. Walken as Max Zorin in A View to a Kill. Ooh, that's a good choice. Interesting. Yeah. I like that one. He's a hybrid uh, Soviet Nazi, like, superhero type creature thing. He also somehow fits the line, what of you, to a kill, into the movie, <laughs> which is complete nonsense. Um, yeah. Yes. So he's, he's, he's nonsense, but it's Christopher Walken, so you really can't diss it. Yeah, and sort of in the same way, I'm, I'm picking Christopher Lee as a Scaramanga in uh, The Man with the Golden Gun, which I mentioned I just watched. 
uh, leading up to this podcast. And uh, he is incredible in it. He carries the entire movie uh, as sort of this mirror to James Bond. And like Christopher Walken in A View to a Kill, he does he does manage to say, you see, Mr. Bond, I have become the man with the golden gun. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a third nipple. I love that that's like his yes. like big villain defect is that he has a third nipple. <laughs> yes, which is so bizarre. But that is the choice they made. So, yeah, he has a third nipple in that movie. And then finally, just wanted to ask one more one more question. Best James Bond song of all time. Nobody did it better than nobody does it better by Carly Simon, mm, which is from the spy who loved me. Yeah, that's a great choice. So, yeah. Wow. I, they also go into like a big band rendition near the end where it's like a bunch of choir boys singing. Nobody does it better. <laughs> it's nonsense. But again, it's so much fun. Yes, absolutely. That's a good choice. Mike, what do you got? Um, you know, we've already said Goldfinger. Goldfinger. So it's got to be that one, I think. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's iconic. It's, it's yeah. one of the best by uh, Shirley Bassey. It's really, really great. Uh, I think my choice, uh, it might be Chris Cornell's You Know My Name. Uh, mm. It's really, really good. It is a good one. Uh, I, I really like that one. I, I love Goldfinger and uh, The Spy Who Loves Nobody Does It Better is a really great one, too. Uh, Live and Let Die is an iconic, like a big yeah. song just outside of the Bond movies. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. Um, I remember yeah, all, all, when I was a kid, I remember when I was a kid and I learned that Live and Let Die was a Bond song. <laughs> yeah. And then you hear it again and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like halfway through the song, it turns into a James Bond theme thing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, there it is. Uh, yeah. Live and Let Die is a great one. Actually watching The Man with the Golden Gun, like the title song for that movie is really good uh, by Lulu. Uh, that's a really fun one. Uh, also, I, I will go to bat. I don't like Quantum of Solace. I don't hate the theme song. I think uh, mm. Jack White and Alicia Keys, Another Way to Die or whatever it's called. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, that, that's one that a lot of people hated. <laughs> and I, I get it. It's pretty good. I, I think it's a fun one. It's it's a weird combo of people. Jack White and Alicia Keys mm-hmm. and it creates an odd sound. Uh, but I like that one. And of course, Adele Skyfall is, is really great. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, really, the only bad Craig Bond song is uh, Sam Smith's Writings on the Wall, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Although the Billie Eilish one did come out and I listened to it once and completely forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, but, you know, at this point, I want to, like, just not hear it until the actual movie comes out. Just, like, save it for the context of the film. No time mm-hmm. to die. But, yeah. All right. So I think that about to wrap things up, uh, wrap things up for us this week, guys. Uh, yeah. So, Nick, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, James Bond episode. I'm glad we finally got to do this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And whenever you decide to do 6 through 10 and 11 through 24, <laughs> just get me right back on here because I got nothing but time. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so, Nick, where can people find you online this week if they want to uh, check you out? Uh, you can find me at, uh, I think I'm just Alaskan Bullworm on Letterboxd. I am still Downey Plus Ultra on Twitter because <laughs> no one can catch me. That cease and desist uh, is in the mail. <laughs> yeah, it's in, it's in the mail, but you know, I think uh, the mail's a little bit slowed down yeah. with uh, ballots and everything. So uh, sure. I think I'm still in the clear for at least a few months. Um, and yeah, you just find me around. All right, fair enough. If you see Nick around, just say hey from a respectful distance because of COVID. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all right, Mike, where can we find you online this week? Uh, first off, I do want to say that I, I feel particularly vindicated from last week where I made a Scaramanga joke and you didn't know what it was. And now it's in your top five. Um, so that <laughs> it was worked. not in my top five. It was a, I, I said it's my favorite villain. Favorite villain. That's right. Uh, and it was and it was I threw it out there and I watched it. It's not yeah. it's not even an honorable mention for me, but I liked it. it was I'm going to headcanon that it was your top five. Um, OK, it was my number one. James. That's Bond, right. You're right. Yes. It's the man with the golden gun. <laughs> Everyone says. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can find me online. It's a M Smith Film Blog on Twitter. Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thanks for listening to Mike Mike Go to the Movies. Uh, I'm Mike Smith. That's my decree show. And that is Nick Wormuth. Uh, don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. 
If you want to contact us, hit us up at Mike and the movies at gmail.com. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside the totally original Geek News podcast, a podcast about all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Uh, so for our next episode, we'll be doing some general discussions, all that kind of stuff that we've been doing. Plus, we'll be choosing our next uh, Mike Makes Mike watch picks. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, in the meantime, our Jeff Goldblum podcast is weekly. Uh, we just released our episode on shooting Elizabeth. Uh, which we actually haven't recorded yet, but we will record after we finish this podcast, (laughs) a peek behind the curtain. Uh, So we just released that one this week. And next week we finally done it. We We are talking Jurassic Park. We finally made it. It's a milestone Goldblum moment. I'm very excited to finally get there uh, on the podcast. Uh, (laughs) I see Nick is watching along in enthralled and amazed (laughs) that we finally made it. To Jurassic Park. He didn't think we could do it, but we did. I thought you were going to stop after California Split, but no <laughs> I mean, we could have. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could have. I mean, California Split would have been a good one to end on. That movie rocks. But, <laughs> but we're excited to talk about Jurassic Park, which we will be doing next week. And that's the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. He's got gun, great big man tits. He's got your ears and tiny trunks.